The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Catholic Spirituality on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Matthew Arthur, presenting Father Nicholas Disposito and Father Herman Fleece on this episode of Catholic Spirituality. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. And now we present Catholic Spirituality. Welcome to Catholic Spirituality on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Father Herman Fleece, and in this episode I'm joined, as always, by our guest, Father Nicolás Desposito, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary. Thank you, Father, for being here today. Oh, thank you. Today we will continue the study of the book The Theology of Christian Perfection by Antonio Rosso Marín, the Dominican theologian. We saw last time, the struggle against the devil, and now we will see the struggle against the world and the flesh. Father, when we speak about the struggle against the world, in which sense do we take world? We take that in the sense of an attachment to it in a disordered manner, of course, the, the world in itself um, can be an occasion for goodness or for evil. Of course, we are talking about one of the negative aspects of the spiritual life, and this is the world as an obstacle to our sanctification. So um, when we speak about the world uh, in, in this uh, in today's show, of course, we are going to be referring to the world as an enemy of our souls, as an obstacle to our sanctification and to the mundane or worldly spirit. And that's manifested by uh, neglect, the complete uh, neglect of God, the sex excessive attachment to created things. So that's the, the meaning of the word world today in today's show as an obstacle to our sanctification as, a, as uh, indicating the attachment that um, in the spiritual life, the attachment to the things which are created that are supposed to be used as means for us to know God and love God. But many times we get attached to creatures and those things uh, become an obstacle uh, to our sanctification. Now, Faris, if we are going to speak about the worldly or mundane spirit, uh, how is this manifested? Well, following uh, Rojo Marin, 
he gives four manners, principal ways in which the worldly uh, spirit is manifested. And first of all, um, he says uh, the first and most deceptive is that of the false maxims which are directly opposed to the precepts of Christ. So, uh, and that's so obvious today, uh, the world uh, exalts pleasure, comfort, riches, fame, violence, and might, again, uh, following still the book, and it advises its followers to enjoy life while they can to make the most of what the world has to offer. And of course, there is a forgetfulness of the next world, the next life, and people become so attached to the world, and and also um, the we get that from the media, from the internet, uh, even uh, I mean f- the society itself. Uh, since especially since Vatican II, this is more and more obvious because those societies and um, countries that used to be Catholic, at least. Uh, you had uh, the law, uh, you used to have the law conforming to the precepts of Christ and uh, of the church, but now, of course, all of those things are gone. And everything we get in the society itself are, are those maxims, those uh, ideas that uh, basically are telling us all the time that this life is the only thing we have to worry about and the only thing that matters is happiness right now. So uh, you see that in the excessive um, uh, emphasis uh, uh, with regard to uh, freedom, liberty, and uh, things like that. Every, always trying to get man as a center and telling man that he's free, he can do whatever he wants, and in order to attain this worldly happiness. That's the first manifestation, those maxims, those ideas, those concepts. And the second manifestation um, is found in the ridicule and persecution of those who strive to live honestly and decently. Of course, people uh, of of the world attached to, to this world hate. They hate the fact that there are some who... Uh, are willing to abandon the world, or at least uh, to live in a, a life detached from the pleasures of this world in order to uh, attain a higher end, which is heaven. And um, again, I will go to the, to the author. The sensate person not only declares himself free of all moral restrictions and lives as he pleases, but he makes a mockery of any authority or law that would guide people along the path of self-control and obedience. So it's like the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of the devil, and everything that will tell uh, people to uh, follow, obey a moral code, of course, those are the object of hatred and of persecution. So that's the second uh, manifestation of this uh, mundane or worldly spirit. The third manifestation is found in the pleasures and diversions of those who observe no control in regard to their lower appetites. Uh, 
the excesses in the use of uh, sex, drugs, alcoholic drinks, and food are accepted as being in good taste socially. And of course, that, that's today, that, that's the rule. And uh, uh, at the time the book was written, the example was the theater, magazines, etc. But today we know them, the movies, the television, internet. Those are the things that are uh, most of the time used as means of um, giving us the spirit of the world and of alluring us towards that. And of course, the internet and things like that are in themselves in different things, can be used for good and for bad. But um, uh, here we are again speaking about a manifestation of the mundane spirit by this means. And um, so that's the third one. The, the fourth mark of a mundane spirit is the scandal and bad example which confront the earnest Christian at every turn. And it is not a question merely of malicious and irreligious persons who give scandal by their evil lives, but what is even worse, scandal is sometimes given by those who, because of their Christian belief or state in life, should be examples of virtue. Basically, those who are Catholic, those who, those who have the faith but do not live according to the precepts of the faith, of course, those are the source of scandal, bad example. And uh, we have to be careful because, again, even among traditional Catholics, uh, there is um, the temptation of making compromises with the world. And that's very, very scandalous. And uh, especially with regard to our children, the future of society, the future of the church, etc. We have to think about those things, especially parents should think about those things. And priests should remind the faithful about the dangers of the world. And remember what our Lord said in the Matthew 18, Woe to the man! through whom scandal does come. So um, that's the fourth manifestation, the scandal and bad example. Yes, and one can see uh, on, on this point that many times the um, <clears throat> parents can be uh, very staunch as far as the doctrinal aspects that, that is against modernism in theory and, uh, and so forth, very strong in the faith, but in the practical order, they uh, live pretty much in a liberal way, or at least with, as you said, Father, without compromise as far as the uh, practical, you might say, the moral life or the family life, they follow to a certain extent the modern uh, standards, which are obviously liberal and anti-Christian. So I think there is a good point there. Yes, too. Uh, absolutely. And one thing I want to point out, in our schools we have the rule <clears throat> that uh, those uh, children that come to our schools are not um, permitted to have, I mean, they're, they're in their homes, cable TV. So the parents have to basically... Uh, promise that they, there is no uh, cable TV in their homes because through um, television uh, is all those shows and uh, there may be some, one or two uh, shows which are good or decent or indifferent at least, but most of them and the advertisement, etc., are so immoral and they're a cause of 
um, perdition for many people, for many, especially the, the youth, and uh, have to be very careful. And also have to, parents have to uh, know um, about how their children use the internet and control that, have uh, defi- uh, rules, of course, because again, there's many, many manners, ways in which uh, the world can uh, influence us. Yes, and one can see that because, uh, again, we can have the case otherwise of <clears throat> someone who the family hears the sermon uh, on Sunday, and that's very nice, and then they come back home and they put uh, on the TV and there are scandalous or uh, immodest uh, shows and worldly um, programs. And then, again, there is, as you said, Father, they are not living according to uh, the principles of, of true Catholic uh, morality. Um, moving to the remedies and uh, what the, what we must do to, to fight against uh, this spirit, um, the first one the author mentions is the avoidance of dangerous occasions. Could you speak about that, Father? Yes, and uh, <coughs> for those who have the text, either the book or the PDF uh, uh, version of the book, is this, we are on page 262. So 262. And uh, with regard to avoiding dangerous occasions, the, the author begins saying, he who loves danger will perish in it. And so, of course, that's uh, scriptural. And the, um, it's so true that if we put ourselves in the occasion of sin, most probably we're going to fall. The world is filled with occasions of great danger to the spiritual life and to salvation. Whether it be question of worldly possessions, mundane pleasures, or creature attachments, the Christian must, at any cost, uh, keep himself from all possible temptation. So, um, uh, we have to understand that... uh, in a way, the occasions of, of sin are relative in the sense that some occasions may be sinful for one person but not for another. So uh, many uh, things are an occasion of sin for young people, which are not occasions of sin for older people. So just an example. And um, nevertheless, there are some occasions which are so poisonous that they would be harmful to any Christian. So, again, we have to know those things uh, in advance and not put ourselves in the occasion, especially with regard to things so that mat- of matter of against um, uh, matters of against chastity and purity and things that we know that are in themselves grave. Um, yes, and here it's important to remember uh, a fact that is many times forgotten is that even though one might be doing some uh, progress in the virtues, we have to remember that we are inclined to evil and that's uh, not uh, removed by baptism or even by the uh, advancement in virtue. So we still have that evil inclination and therefore if we expose ourselves to an occasion, uh, we are in great danger of falling. So one always should have that... uh, uh, you know, distrust of self, uh, yes, trusting in God's grace, but if one expose, expose, exposes, excuse me, oneself to danger, uh, he will perish, as we know from the Holy Scriptures. Uh, yes, and uh, just um, to give a practical rule here, 
uh, it says, uh, the, like a rule of thumb, uh, to ask oneself, what would Jesus do? So in, in sometimes that, that's actually, uh, it does work. I mean, when we uh, ask ourselves, what, do, what would Jesus do in this situation? Of course, the, if we always have in mind that kind of attitude, we're going to avoid many, many occasions of sin. Because, of course, our Lord will never do uh, something that is probably... Uh, going to um, um, be um, either an occasion of sin or there will be a real danger uh, of, of, um, of a temptation. So uh, it is likewise helpful to remember the admonition of St. Paul to the effect that n not all th uh, things that are lawful are prudent. So uh, that's another thing. So it's important. Uh, that's why mortification is uh, so necessary. We mortify ourselves in things which are uh, lawful. But in order that when the time comes that something unlawful, like a temptation arrives, we have the strength in the will to, uh, or to say no to that temptation. But if we always do what is lawful, of course, and that may be imprudent and our will may suffer and be weak in the, in the moment of temptation. So uh, I would say, that, yes, the avoidance of the dangerous occasions, but also some mortification, internal or interior mortification is very useful as the, f the, the first um, remedy against the world. Uh, secondly, we have the, something that, especially today, is very important, to vivify one's faith. So we know that today the main problem, the main crisis in the church is a crisis of faith. Vatican II, the false popes, uh, the whole new religion that has uh, proceeded from this uh, hierarchy in the Vatican they have abandoned doctrine, the good doctrine, the, the, the gospel and the magisterium, and they have replaced that with a new religion of ecumenism, religious liberty, all kinds of false freedoms, etc. So now is the time in which the, the faith has to be very, very strong in order to not to fall into uh, heresy, modernism, etc., but also in order not to fall victim of the world, of the, of the many, many temptations of the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. That's the, in the first epistle of St. John. Faith is not only an intellectual assent to certain dogmas and mysteries. When it is perfected, it gives us an attitude of mind or a way of judging things in a divine manner. There is, uh, we apply, I mean, those things that we know by faith, we apply that to our daily, concrete, practical life. With, again, it's like an attitude that proceeds from the faith when we have a, a strong faith. It enables us to see things through the eyes of God. So to speak, a strong faith will enable the Christian to see God in all things and also to walk through great dangers unharmed because he's able to rise above those things that are temptations for others. A strong faith will also enable the Christian to withstand, sorry, to withstand the taunts and ridicule of worldly persons. 
Many people fall because of human respect. So a strong faith is going to give you the necessary helps and strength in order to avoid that, in order to avoid human respect and to be strong in those situations. In many uh, works uh, of art, the martyred saint is surrounded by persecutors who wear a cynical smile or a leer on their faces. But the saint remains steadfast and tranquil amidst all manner of attack and suffering because the eyes of his soul, through the light of faith, can peer into eternity and be focused on the divine. So again, very important, the faith, the strong faith, not just the, uh, the virtue in, in a degree which is the minimum, but a strong faith is necessary today because of many, many reasons, against the errors of the time and against the temptations of the world. The third remedy is meditation on the vanity of the world. Many times we, we emphasize, we repeat and repeat to the, the people uh, from the pulpit and in this, uh, this show the importance of meditation. Um, mental prayer, um, at least half an hour. If you don't have time for half an hour, do one hour. That's the, what the advice of St. Um, Francis uh, de Sales, of Sales. The world passes quickly and life passes even more quickly. There is nothing stable and permanent in the world's judgments or friendships. There is nothing completely satisfying in its delights. Those who are applauded today are criticized tomorrow. The evil prosper, for they have their reward in, the, in this world. But the Christian who realizes that he has not here a lasting city, but is a traveler to the eternal fatherland, knows that only God is changeless and only his justice and truth will remain forever. For that reason, only uh, he who does the will of God abides forever. So very important. Again, not only the vanity of the world uh, in itself, but also uh, it's good to meditate comparing the vanity of the world and what it, the world has to offer uh, with God, um, with that which God offers to us in heaven. I mean, there is no proportion. So to just uh, to, to miss the opportunity uh, and to um, not to, to miss the opportunity to go to heaven uh, because of some pleasure that doesn't last very long, it's not very uh, rational, it's not a good idea, it's not very smart. So I would say we have to think and consider that too and uh, to strengthen our wills and uh, again um, make good choices in this regard. And far we saw just before that you were speaking about having essentially the, the spirit of faith. We spoke about the spirit of the world and then the spirit of faith by which we judge according to essentially the eyes of God, as it were. And uh, it seems that meditation is one of the best means, if not the best, to acquire that spirit in ours to be mindful in our daily life of this truth of the faith that because we obviously don't see them, if we essentially don't think about them by meditation, they won't really 
affect too much our practical life. So it, I think it's a very important point. Yes, uh, absolutely. Now, if we move to the next one, we have uh, the disregard for human respect. So what is this all about, Father? Yes, we just ma mentioned that before, but uh, to be concerned about what they will say is one of the attitudes which is most unworthy of a Christian. Our Lord said explicitly that he would deny before his heavenly Father anyone who denies him before men. It is therefore necessary for the Christian to take a firm stand in this matter and to follow the injunction of Christ to the letter. He who is not with me is against me. So um, St. Paul, too, he warns that he is not a disciple of Christ uh, who uh, would be concerned about pleasing men. And there is... Here we have something to learn from a false religion. I will say from the Muslims, those women that they dress, uh, of course, in an uh, exaggerated manner. I mean, those uh, fanatics, I mean, they, they go probably to the other extreme. But what I want to emphasize here is that they do not care about what the world, the whole world thinks about them under modesty, under the dress. Uh, but many, many times, Catholic women uh, just dress without modesty, using uh, either uh, pants, which are too tight, or skirts, which are too tight, or whatever it is. But um, the uh, and, and they will care about what people think, and they will care about uh, fitting in the world. And a, a very a false religion like the Muslims. Uh, they will have. They have some, um, of course, the uh, the lack of uh, uh, completely the lack of concern about what people think uh, of their modesty and customs, etc. So, again, without praising anything, but it's good sometimes to to see that people who do not have the faith. Uh, sometimes are stronger in their beliefs than Catholics who actually have received a supernatural infused virtue. That at least is humiliating, should be humiliating for those who actually care about the world and what the people think of, the, of Christian modesty. So it's important. Um, again, going back to the book, one who desires to reach sanctity must be absolutely indifferent to what the world may think or say. His only concern must be to do the will of God, cost what it may, and it is best to make this decision from the very first so that all may know uh, at the outset where one stands." We have been warned by Christ that the world will hate and persecute us. But if the world sees that we stand firm in our decision to follow Christ and his laws, it will ultimately leave us in peace and consider the battle lost. The best way to conquer the world is not to yield a single pace, but to take an unswerving stand in renouncing its false maxims, and 
its vanities. So that's the end of those remedies um, that you will find again in the book, pages 262 and 263. Now, Father, moving forward to the, uh, the next part, uh, the author speaks about an insatiable desire for pleasure. Obviously, we're referring to the next enemy of the soul, the flesh. Uh, now, the author says that we have essentially two uh, tendencies. Uh, one is an order for suffering, and another one is an insatiable desire for pleasure. We are going to focus today and treat the one on the, this desire, this craving for pleasure, uh, which is uh, one of the greatest obstacles to one's sanctification and even to, uh, for one's salvation. First, Father, first of all, what uh, are we speaking about when we speak about concupiscence? Yes, the, that's a word that comes up all the time in the uh, sermons, spiritual books, um, uh, moral theology books. Concupiscence that means basically desire, appetite. So St. Thomas, Aquinas, he, following uh, Aristotle, defines concupiscence as the appetite for pleasure. An appetite, a desire for pleasure. It resides properly in the sensitive appetite, but the soul also shares in it because the intimate union between soul and body causes a sensible good to be likewise a good of the whole composite, which all of this um, uh, sounds philosophical, it only means that the pleasure that comes uh, through the senses also is going to be an object of the will. The will is going to want that pleasure of the senses. So it is not only a, a sensible thing, a sensible appetite, but it also draws the higher parts of man, the will. So, um, following that, it says the pleasure, uh, even sensible bodily pleasure, is not evil of itself. Important point. So, those, if it is um, uh, something which God has uh, given us uh, for, for something from something else, like in this case, he has given us a pleasure in order to perform certain works with um, a certain facility and, and to enjoy the act, uh, we have to understand that that means that the thing itself is good, the pleasure in itself is good if it is properly um, exercised, of course. So the God is the author of nature, and of course, for a reason, he has placed the pleasure in the exercise of uh, certain natural operations, and especially those which pertain to the conservation of the individual and of the species. So we are talking about uh, the pleasure that comes uh, uh, when we eat, that's the uh, conservation of the individual. When you talk about the conservation of the species, is those uh, pleasures that pertain to a sexual nature. So the... Um, Again, for a reason, God has uh, added a certain pleasure to those acts. And again, if we act in accordance to reason, of course, those things are good. And if not, they are sinful. Uh, that's like a general principle. 
Um, so the author continues that a difficulty arises in attempting to designate a boundary which separates honest uh, pleasure from disordered and forbidden pleasure and how to keep oneself always within the boundaries of the former. The difficulty becomes evident if one observes that the use of lawful pleasures frequently serves as an occasion or incentive to disorders and unlawful pleasures. For example, yes, uh, to, when we go to eat, uh, it, yes, it's, uh, the, the pleasure that comes from, from eating, like a um, good tasting food. But again, the same thing which is good in itself and good for nutrition, etc., many times is the occasion for a sin, gluttony. For that reason, Christian mortification has always advocated that one deprive himself of many lawful things and of many honest pleasures, not to put sin where there is no sin, but as a defense of good, which is endangered if one imprudently approaches the borderline of evil. So we, we already mentioned that fact, that we need mortification uh, with regard to things which are lawful in order to guard ourselves against the things which are not lawful. So if we always do the things which are permitted, of course, sooner or later, uh, if uh, we, are, we, are in a, in a, uh, we have a temptation or we are we put in, a, in an occasion of sin, our wills, because they're always doing whatever the appetite tells within the boundaries, if we give, us, give ourselves too much freedom, in that moment of temptation, we are going to fall. That's why mortification is very important. So you mortify yourself at the table. Um, and even though, again, um, to eat is, uh, is just natural, it's a good thing, but we mortify ourselves at the table so that there is no danger of uh, ever committing uh, the, the sin of gluttony or of sensuality or things like that. So the, thing, the same thing will apply to um, the, the other aspects of the sensi sensible nature. And one thing that should be recalled here uh, for our listeners is that uh, in, when Adam uh, was created and elevated to the supernatural order, uh, his whole... Uh, uh, self was in order, that is, his appetites were subjected to reason. Now, in our case, after the fall of Adam, the appetites crave many times for things that are inordinate. And therefore, as far as said, if we always do what the appetite uh, essentially demands or craves, uh, then many times we will actually uh, fall into sin. So we have to learn uh, to uh, subdue the appetite to reason and not our will to the appetite. Yes, uh, that, that's very important because we um, we are created in sin. And yes, baptism washes away sin, but not the consequences of sin and the inclinations of sin. Uh, that's, uh, yes, that's very important to understand the, the, another reason for mortification, that we have like a tendency to, towards evil because of sin, original sin and actual sin. And therefore, yes, we act absolutely need to always curb that, um, those, the appetites and, and, and uh, the passions, etc. Uh, because, again, if we do not, sooner or later we are going to fall again into sin. 
you know, he speaks, uh, the author here uh, quotes uh, a paragraph from the preacher uh, Burdalu, who says, to wish that a carnal man have reasonable thoughts is to wish that the flesh become spiritual. And that is why the apostle concludes that a man possessed by his passion, however intelligent he may appear in other matters, does not know and does not understand the things of God because they have nothing to do with those things which constitute his unhappy patrimony. And so it is that men who are slaves of sensuality, when passion impels them, close their eyes to all human and divine considerations. Especially do they lose three fundamental types of knowledge, knowledge of themselves, knowledge of their sins, and knowledge of God. So a very nice quote, and I think it shows that uh, the following our unruly passions, uh, what it does, it blinds us essentially. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we. it's like... Uh, we lose the, the, the supernatural faculties. Yes, we are blind to supernatural things, to heaven, to uh, virtue, uh, to, again, the, that very important, which says knowledge of self, knowledge of God, um, knowledge of our sins. Uh, all of, because, again, if we are carnal, mundane, worldly, uh, attached to the things of the world and given to, to our uh, concupiscences, etc., the passions, um, we lose sight, and uh, that's a difficult, difficult thing to, to overcome later on. Uh, so, excellent uh, quote from uh, that author. Before we go to the next uh, point, I would like to also add that there is a connection between the sense uh, of, the, of the table, that is, with regard to food, gluttony, uh, and drunkenness, and impurity. There is a connection there. So if some, someone is struggling against uh, um, uh, uh, holy purity and, and has some problems with regard to chastity, one of the, the first remedy that any like, confessor and spiritual director will give is the mortification uh, at the table and food and fast and abstinence because of this connection. And... Uh, so, uh, there is, there was. He's already deceased. Uh, a monk that uh, used, practiced contemporary monk um, practiced um, a perpetual fasting, just eating once a day, and uh, he brought a book about the love of fasting. And he says that when he started that, uh, doing that just once one meal a day, that all of the temptations against holy purity just disappeared. That wasn't like automatic. And that's interesting because, again, those things are so connected that people should know this, uh, like a secret weapon against those things is at the table. So mortification of the table, fast and abstain, and you will have a very a much, we'll say, much easier time conquering uh, impurity. Yes, and Father, we have... Uh seen and I think it's uh, been shown clearly enough that we have to uh, fight against this disordered uh, sensuality. And now what will be the main means to do so? Yes, we're going to go through 
uh, those um, kind of quickly because of the, the time. We already have 40 minutes in the show. Um, mortify oneself in things that are lawful. This is probably the third time we mentioned this in today's show, how important it, it is. Mortify oneself in things that are lawful. Uh, so I will say again, uh, the um, with regard to avarice, mortify yourself uh, and the, the appetite of buying many things which are not necessary. Um, uh, with regard to uh, gluttony, um, skipping dessert one, uh, here and there or not putting salt, uh, things like that in everyday little mortifications that in, in things which are, again, are lawful, uh, are very useful to keep the spirit of external and internal mortification, uh, again, in order especially to, to fortify, to strengthen the will. So that's very important. The second um, remedy uh, against sensuality is to uh, cultivate a love of suffering and the cross. Um, the, there is nothing, Roger Marin says, which serves as a bet, better safeguard against the attacks of sensuality than to suffer with calmness and equanimity of soul the pangs of sorrow and pain, and even to impose them upon oneself voluntarily. This, is, this basically means to embrace the cross. The crosses that come, uh, first of all, from God himself. It can be um, uh, anything at all, a sickness, a family problems, a pr the problems that come from the because of our faith and the different things that we have to suffer in the world. Uh, so, but cultivating that love of suffering, again, is very important to um, um, refrain ourselves from becoming sensual and attached to sensual pleasures. The number three is to combat sloth something uh, which is also connected with sensuality and impurity is to, to find ourselves doing nothing. Of course, if we are doing nothing and lazy and um, the, the, we give the devil uh, and our own weakness many possibilities to fall into sensuality. So that's very important. Keep ourselves busy with occupations of the intellectual order um, uh, though especially are, those are especially good uh, and apt for controlling sensuality. It can be reading, studying, doing research, um, anything that that's very very good. Um, and so, but anything else? I mean, even anything else? Even manual work will help to combat sloth. Yes, and for uh, if uh, I would like to uh, add uh, an anecdote on this point that. Uh, in one of the letters of Saint Jerome, uh, one of the great spiritual masters, he was writing to either Saint Paul or, or Saint Eustochium, I don't remember right now, but one of the holy women who were essentially living a monast monastical life uh, in Palestine. Uh, and obviously there was a problem of temptations, the temptations that come through the flesh. And Saint Jerome tells her that let the devil always find you busy. And the idea of the holy doctor was that 
the, if the devil comes to tempt you and you are doing something, as far as said, studying, it can be man manual work, then one will uh, resist the, the assault. But if one is idle, then one is obviously a prey to um, many uh, and grave temptations. So I think that's a, a nice example of that, um, of that principle. Now moving to uh, number four, he says, uh, to flee dangerous occasions. We spoke a little about that, uh, but would you like to add something uh, to that? Yes, form? and especially that uh, here, Roger Marin says, this is the most important and decisive of all the purely uh, natural remedies. Even the most uh, energetic, um, sorry, even the most energetic will is disposed to succumb when subjected imprudently to an occasion of sin. And the author here gives the example of St. Augustine um, uh, with regard to his friend, Alipius, and that's in the Confessions. Uh, Alipius used to uh, go to the... Uh, the Coliseum or, or places in which there was uh, people fighting to death and a lot of violence. And of course, the Christians avoided that. Um, and St. Augustine told him, do not go there uh, because that's an occasion of sin for you. And, and he said, no, I will go and basically not, not look at the violence, just go there, I don't know, was to please some friends or something. Or, But when he went there, uh, there was all the people cheering and uh, uh, just the, to being there was so strong of an occasion that he just uh, watched the whole thing, the whole show where the people dying and blood, etc. Very, not uh, very Christian, and he felt into the again into the into the sin because of going there and showing um, uh, showing up in that occasion, putting himself in the occasion of sin. So. And, and how many times we have, out of pride or, or lack of consideration, we put ourselves in occasions of sin, thinking that we are not going to be, um, there's not going to be a problem, and we end up falling. Yes, so and that's important. Yes, and one sometimes has uh, heard the, the case of people saying, uh, no, you know, I will go there just to be with my friends, but I won't do anything evil. I don't go there to do anything bad. And as we uh, know, uh, they uh, they do fall because of our uh, weakness, regardless of the, you might say, the good intention. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so oh, avoid the occasions of sin. That's the most important of all of these remedies. And number five, we have uh, to consider the dignity of the Christian. And yeah, something, remember your baptism. So you are not free anymore. You belong to Christ. So the, this is an important consideration. I remember once uh, I have a friend that went to a very uh, pr um, prestigious uh, school in uh, Cordoba, Argentina. Um, and I think it was the first day of class, either his teacher or the uh, um, the superior of the school uh, told the, the students, the rector, that uh, you being in this school, because you are here in this uh, school, uh, you do not have, you do not enjoy the privilege of being mediocre. That's what he said. And 
Um, so something that as Christians, as baptized, we have basically applied that to ourselves. We don't have the privilege of being mediocre. We have to, we are um, absolutely uh, obliged to um, strive for perfection in the spiritual life. Yes, we are weak. Yes, we need the grace of God. Yes, we have uh, many sins, etc. That Those are not reasons uh, why we shouldn't try. We shouldn't uh, ask God for the graces we need in order to um, attain the goal, the Christian perfection. So this is the consideration of our dignity as baptized, as the, uh, saved by the blood of Christ, as uh, redeemed, and we have given the, the sanctifying grace, the, the faith, hope, charity, the infused virtues, the inhabitation of the Holy Ghost, all of those things, the sacraments, and just being Catholic. So we are Catholics. We cannot... Um, we have an obligation to perfection, and also remembering that um, many, the rest of the world uh, is watching. So we have to give a good example of holiness. So uh, that's important too. Number six, to consider the punishment of sin. So the punishment, which if it is in, in the case of sensuality, if it uh, regards uh, impurity, that's a mortal sin, and the, uh, the matter is always grave, and we have to consider the punishment. If it is hell, it's forever. Uh, and even if we say, oh, I, I keep myself in, this, in the state of grace, but basically I do, I do not care about mortification and things like that. I just, uh, I just go to Mass and try to, to basically lead a, a pious life, but not, not too much. So that's, that's not good either. I will say the minimum... Uh, many times it's dangerous. Many times it's dangerous. We have to do a little more. Uh, and um, because if there is mortal sin, yes, but if you conquer that, you still have venial sin, you still have the temporal punishment uh, due to that sin in purgatory. So, which, remember that the... the um, the least uh, suffering in purgatory is considered to be much worse than the greatest uh, suffering here. So that's something to think about. Uh, Roger Marin says, St. Paul chastised his body and reduced it to subjection, lest having preached to others, he himself should be rejected. So St. Paul was afraid of being rejected. St. Paul, so had to think about that. Um, number seven, the remembrance of the passion of Christ. So the most innocent, the, uh, the most lovable, um, God himself uh, who became man for us, he suffered. So the meditation on the passion, on, on the cross, and on the... Uh, uh, carrying of the cross, the scourging, the crowning of thorns, all of those things, just considering what our Lord had to suffer, not because he needed to, but because of love for us. So that's another thing that is very good as a remedy to overcome sensuality. And for here kind of uh, is uh, by the way, but I would like to remark that uh, some uh, Catholics, when they have a, a problem, let's say a sickness or something, uh, they will have the attitude, at least in the practical order, that I don't deserve this, and they complain and, and all that. 
And uh, I think they should remember that our Lord suffered all uh, these uh, terrible um, uh, pains during the Passion, and obviously he didn't deserve it. And also, uh, we should consider that we, in fact, do deserve punishment because of our sins that were past life, and then also the sins that we uh, still commit uh, daily because of our frailty. So we do deserve to be punished here, either in this life or in the next. And as you mentioned, Father, it is much better to do it in this life. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. uh, there's another point, the number eight. For those who have the book, we are in, on page 269 of Rojo Barin's uh, work. Humble and persevering prayer. Humble and persevering prayer. And this is essential. Without the grace of God, it is impossible to triumph completely over our concupiscence. So uh, remember that we need grace, of course, to be elevated to the supernatural order, to be able to merit uh, a, a supernatural reward. But even when we speak about chastity, when we speak about continence, temperance, all of those things are supernatural virtues. So that means we need the grace to overcome our sensuality. Uh, yes, we may have acquired virtues, etc. But if we are especially struggling against a uh, sense uh, of sensuality, we need the grace of God. This grace is infallibly promised to prayer that fulfills the required conditions. So and we are going to go through those conditions uh, in another time. The author of the Book of Wisdom acknowledges that he cannot remain continent without the help of God, which he implores with humility. St. Paul asks three times of the Lord that he free him from the thorn of the flesh. And the Lord answers uh, that his grace is sufficient and that in his weakness he will arrive at the culmination of strength. So, and that's also important to, to know how things work in the spiritual life, especially with regard to certain temptations, that many times God will permit a certain temptation in order for us to be more humble, in order for us to pray more, in order for us to pray better, with more perseverance, more humility, etc. So instead of getting discouraged at, the, at those uh, temptations, uh, let's um, imitate St. Paul and continue praying. And uh, at the end, again, the grace is going to arrive. God is going to give his grace. Um, number nine, very, very important, devotion to Mary, Our Lady. So, um, of course, as we know, she's the mediatrix of all graces and the refuge of sinners. Things that we cannot um, get, I will say, uh, with our own prayers, um, if we pray to Our Lady and she offers those prayers um, before the majesty of God, of course, is much more efficacious than just our poor prayer. So a tender devotion, Rojo Marin says, to our heavenly mother and an ardent appeal to her in the hour of danger is a guarantee of victory. And finally, we get the last point, number 10, the reception of the sacraments. 
Um, this is the most certain and efficacious remedy against all types of sin. So, uh, but especially against the attacks of concupiscence. And uh, we cannot emphasize too much the, for those who are able to go to confession on a weekly basis to do so. Because again, is that the best means to not only to, to receive the absolution for our sins, but also to receive the necessary graces for the future so that we have um, more uh, strength uh, in the future with the grace of God against uh, temptation. So that's very important if we can do that, if we have the possibility of going to confession every week and receiving Holy Communion too, of course, um, at least uh, every Sunday, but if possible, on a daily basis. Those are the most efficacious uh, remedies against all sins, but especially against sins of sensuality. And far, I think uh, uh, a good point to make is that we have seen first, first all the uh, difficulties or the, the bad inclination that we have, but when we consider the the means we have, everyone has uh, at hand to overcome in this battle, we counted uh, 10. So the point is that we are not lacking the means if we really want to overcome in this uh, struggle that, that we have, we just have to uh, be uh, determined and uh, to put the means into practice. The means are at hand, the question is whether we want to avail ourselves uh, of them. Father, uh, with that, I think we are uh, rounding up our show. Uh, we will leave for next show the question on the horror of suffering, just for a question of time. And Father, is there any other thing you would like to add? No, I think uh, we have covered many things today, very important things. And um, I think that we... We are fine for today. Very good. So thank you, Father, for your time today. Thank you. And I hope our listeners enjoyed this show, and I hope to uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Catholic Spirituality. We want to remind you that Catholic Spirituality is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. If you have any questions for Father Herman Fleece or Father Nicholas Disposito or feedback on this episode, please contact us at catholicspirituality at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful or beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary or even simply an Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you.
This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.